We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. You know that term, uh, that phrase, America needs to have a conversation. We need to have a conversation about guns. We need to have a conversation about uh, transgender. I noticed that that conversation, the rules, the terms, it's always dictated by the left. And they think, well, guns are bad. And they think uh, transgender issues, well, that's living according to one's truth, speaking one's truth. It's all beautiful. It's a controlled conversation. It's not an honest one. And by preventing the truth from coming out, as they try to do, people are dying. People are being hurt by this woke agenda that is so flagrantly dishonest. But you got to look closely because the mainstream media won't tell you about it. So who remembers the shooting in Nashville? Yeah, it seems like five years ago. That was 10 days ago. Her name, Audrey Hale, and uh, happened to be a transgender individual. Now, how do I know that? How do I know that? Well, I happened to be going around the dial, and I heard the chief of police say it. He said it once, and never again. Did she identify as transgender? She does uh, ident identify as transgender, yes. Is there any reason to believe that how she identifies is has any motive for targeting the school? Uh, we can give you that at a later time. There is uh, some theory to that. We're investigating all the leads, and once we know exactly, we'll let you know. That was the leading theory. They were working on that. They didn't dismiss it. That's the thing. That seems to be what's in the journals, the manifesto that they're not releasing. Do you know some news organizations have prohibited their reporters and anchors will not allow them to talk about transgender in the wake of this thing. What can you talk about, though? Huh? Take a guess. G-U-N-S. Guns. Make it all about guns. Show up at the state capitol yelling and screaming about guns. Yes, make this a civil rights issue. Make it about guns all over again. Uh, really taking it to the extreme. Uh, some lawmakers in Tennessee went to the floor this is kind of odd. They protested themselves. See the guy with the bullhorn? Yeah, he's a state assemblyman using a bullhorn, yelling and screaming. I mean, you're a legislator. Legislate. Do something. The, they just want to protest all the time. Uh, there is some trouble for that. Apparently, that's against the law, and I can see that. Anyway, whose side do you think the media is taking? the heated showdown at the state capitol in Tennessee. A vote to expel three Democratic lawmakers by the Republican-controlled House. majority of Republicans have taken the extreme step of expelling him, and they're about to take the steps of expelling uh, two of his colleagues as well. An unprecedented move. Republicans trying to expel three Democratic lawmakers in Tennessee for protesting gun violence on the statehouse floor after the Nashville shootings. You see the, the tenor, right? 
they agree with the issue, so you can do whatever you want about the issue. And everybody shows up on cue and supports these people. Big, loud rallies inside the Capitol. It's okay when you're on the left. It's the worst thing that ever happened if you're MAGA. You get it? And what are they talking about? What are they complaining about? Again, guns in America. Hey, good luck with that, because how many guns in America are there? Oh, by the way, yeah, 415 million firearms, okay? Uh, they're going to last us uh, a couple of thousand years. Even if you stop every gun from ever being manufactured, this is, this is not the answer. But they prefer this. Number one, they, maybe they think they can win, but they don't want to talk about this right now in this context what I call our monster picture. Uh, this to them is a civil rights issue. This is a civil rights issue. And when a transgender mass shooter opens fire on children, well, that jeopardizes their agenda, doesn't it? Because for some perverse reason, they think this is wholesome. Um, by the way, the real threat to democracy, to our way of life, I'm sorry, just might be transgender individuals armed with guns. It's happening all over the place. Armed with guns, opening fire. This teen suspected of planning a mass shooting. William Whitworth, the given name, but goes by Lily, a biological male. But even the media now treats Lily as a she because she was arrested in her bedroom. Okay. Um, Here's some reality about this transgender stuff, uh, especially with kids and even adults. They're fixing an internal problem externally. Not according to me, but according to some people who've actually gone through it. Uh, this is the sick fantasy that you can become your true self and make a lot of money doing it. Take a look. I am Eloise. I am six. I'm a city child. I live at the Plaza Hotel, which is huge and wonderful and trace elegant, especially at Christmas time. Ba -dum, ba -dum. Breaking news. It's day 220 of being a girl, and we have another boob update. Hi. Impressive carrying skills, right? I got some Bud Lights for us. Uh, unfortunately, this is inspiring people. It shouldn't because this is not uh, this is not what that life is like. Most people are not going to get endorsement deals. And from the experts I've spoken to and the ordinary people I've spoken to, the transgender um, gender affirmation process does not fix the internal issue. Um, listen to this individual. When you got your surgery no, and you, you changed it, how was your life then? Yeah. Um, I, my anxiety was, oh, it was top, it was still high. I was scared to go out the house. I, I did go out. I went out socially and stuff, but I was on antidepressants. I was still on the anxiety tablets um, and I was still drinking heavily. I had to drink to get the confidence to go out the to get out the house. And mm. um, this carried on right the way through until I, read, till I changed back to being Peter. He changed back to being his true self, Peter, a biological male, with a great big assist from God. Uh, it's an amazing story. If you have time, uh, it's easily findable online. Peter and his journey to being a woman and back to being his true self. 
Look, this is what we're talking about right now. This is reality, and it needs to be discussed. It should not be papered over, right? I don't think so, and that's what's happening. Even people who have extreme insight into this issue. Ever watch MSNBC during the day? They have this uh, this interesting person. Her name is Katie Turr. Uh, from time to time, she actually does a pretty good job. I, I, I find her pleasant to listen to. Uh, but she has very unique insight into this whole transgender uh, craze. Her father became a woman. Yes. Uh, I'm not digging through dirty laundry. Oh, by the way, she wrote a book about it. Okay. And she goes on television shows to talk about it. Uh, take a look. Katie Turr says her dad could be demanding, abusive, and at times violent. He would come home in these fits of anger. Something would set him off and he would get so so out of control that he would throw his fist through a wall. And it happened often. I mean, we would go to the store, buy plaster, plaster them up. I remember him throwing batteries at my mother. The violence was always there. It felt like it was normal, like that was just how a relationship worked. Well, that's interesting. That's very, very interesting. Uh, here's a little bit on her father, who cooperated with the piece, with the producers here, but she ha hasn't talked to her daughter in 10 years. Katie and I were very close. Uh, she really looked up to me, and I failed her. No father wants to fail their daughter. Let me tell you what she says you did when she was younger. She says you'd get so angry that you'd punch holes in the wall and that you threw things like batteries at Marika. Is that true? Throwing batteries? Probably, yeah. Uh, punching walls? There were a couple. I could be very intimidating, for sure. And um, if the kids felt I was intimidating, I apologize. I did the best I could. Zoe Turr hasn't quite fix the anger issues, apparently. It's not just a long time ago. Uh, here, Zoe threatens our Ben Shapiro. We all love Ben Shapiro. Watch this. But even so, you have a thing like Kleinfelter's syndrome. So you don't know what you're talking about. You're not educated on genetics. Would you to discuss the genetics or well, well, no? What no, are no. your genetics? Zoe, so I'd stay away from the genetics and back to the brain scans. You cut that out now or you'll go home in an ambulance. Wow, that uh, those anger issues are still there. He's still an abusive person. Big time, don't you think? Ben handled it very well, by the way. Yeah, that seems mildly inappropriate for a political discussion. <laughs> Good for Ben. Um, so here's my lament that Katie Turr, who has amazing insight into all of this, uh, doesn't go there. At least on television, it's all about guns. It's all about guns. But uh, the transgender question about Nashville is a big one and an important one. But I guess America can't handle it. I know we can handle it. Um, we seem to have problems with that and race, though, don't we? Why does it have to be so stilted and dishonest, huh? And it is very, very dishonest. This is the only stuff you can say on mainstream media about the police and race and issues related to that. Unarmed people are being killed 
that we're afraid to walk the streets, that we are afraid of police. They're not helping us. And it's important that we understand that it is important. There is a connection between the fact that law enforcement originated as slave patrols and are still in 2021 killing black men and women on the street. Police are supposed to protect and serve, but it's clear that they are protecting the beneficiaries of inherent racist policies. All right. So none of that is true. Obviously, it's not especially that nonsense about slave patrols, okay? But it's taken on a life of its own in woke culture, and woke culture is now permeating normal culture, and normal culture has gone woke. But that craziness has infected the population, and unfortunately, it's putting real people at risk. So if you're pulled over by a cop, and you're convinced the cop is a vestige of a slave patrol and is inherently racist, maybe even white supremacist, what would you do, especially if you're a person of color and you've been listening to all this stuff? You're going to start making some fatal mistakes. No, no, no. Stop. Stop. Put your hands in. Stop. Resist, run, don't treat the cops as if they have any authority to stop you because they're racist. That last shooting is still under investigation, but I do believe all of the lies that are told so consistently about the police, about law enforcement, about our history, about society is putting real people at risk. It's obvious, isn't it? There's a, another one I want to point out, because when somebody misbehaves this badly and is then rewarded by our military, I can't I'm never going to forget it. And I can't wait to have some accountability in this case. I call this the story of bad Lieutenant Nazario, who was a National Guardsman pulled over by the police. And somehow he thought that uh, he shouldn't pull over. And he kept driving and driving and driving for four miles until he finally pulled over. Take a look. He's not complying, Jeff. Come around your side. Let me see your hands. How many occupants are in the vehicle? What's going on? How many occupants are in your vehicle? It's only myself. Why are your weapons drawn? What's going on? Open the door slowly and step out. Open the door. I'm not getting out the vehicle. What's going on? Keep your hands outside the window. My hands are right here. What's going on? Get out of the car now. Get out of the car. What's now. going on? Get out of the car now. He's going to think about it. I guess he's been watching a lot of MSNBC. No, he's going to ask the questions, not the cops. Um, by the way, he doesn't get shot or anything like this. He gets a little mace in the face because, well, uh, Look, he's he's not cooperating at all. And he just led them on a slow speed chase. And oh, by the way, he's got a gun in the car. Get out of the car now. I'm serving this country and this is how I'm treated. Get your get, hands. Get out of the car now. Get out of the car. Get your hands off me. Get, please. Of get your hands off me. You know what? Get your hands off me. Get your problem. hands off me. Back up there. I didn't do anything. Don't do that. Sir. 
All right, so weird things happen in America every single day, right? But they don't have to be ratified and glorified by the media and the Pentagon. The United States Department of Defense went out of its way to praise that soldier who just mouthed off to the cops. Lieutenant Nazario represented himself and our army well through his calm, professional response. I'm very proud of him. The United States military, one of its top people on an official United States Army social media account, said that they were very proud of that guy for not cooperating with the police. What kind of example is this? Wow. When you go woke, it's true. Like Donald Trump said, you get demented, you go broke, and you maybe even get shot. We'll be right back. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Good stuff, American presidents. By and large, we've done pretty well in American history. Right now, not so much. As I stand here tonight, equality and democracy are under assault. We do ourselves no favor to pretend otherwise. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic really is kind of spooky sometimes. Have you ever noticed that the theme, the underlying current of just about everything that this man does is it's Trump's fault. Everything is Trump's fault. Everything. The latest, and they actually put out a, a paper about, well, the withdrawal from Afghanistan. That horrible mess, which happened in August of 2021. This footage right here is from August 16th, but those two weeks, right, they were chaotic. That was, of course, eight months after President left office. A new report, 12 pages long. Guess what? They just put it out and sent it over to Congress. It blames Trump in 12 pages 14 times for the stuff that happened uh, on their watch, on their watch. And Joe Biden is supposed to be this, well, he knew all the world leaders and he had all this experience with the generals. How was this President Trump's fault? Yeah, this is uh, President Trump's fault, right? You know, for the previous uh, two years, the last two years of President Trump's tenure, nobody was killed. No Americans were killed in Afghanistan. Uh, this somehow is President Trump's fault as well. President Trump's fault? Are you serious? And what about all the equipment we left there? You know, he left billions of dollars worth of equipment. Uh, no, it's all Trump's fault. And, oh, by the way, um, Afghanistan. The last person who's at fault here is Joe Biden. Listen to, uh, listen to that game show host guy they have at the podium these days. It doesn't seem to address the $7 billion in military hardware and technology that was left in Afghanistan for the Taliban. You know, the president took office in January. The withdrawal happened in, in August. Does the president take responsibility for, for leaving all or some of that? You know who was responsible for that equipment? The Afghans. Because you know why? It was their equipment. First of all, I don't believe the number's accurate. There was very little 
and I mean very little, U.S.-owned equipment or U.S.-operated equipment that we left when we left Afghanistan. The stuff that's at Bagram or you pick the base in Afghanistan was all turned over in according with a very elaborate, deliberate, retrograde plan that the U.S. military put in place to turn over all that stuff to the Afghan military. And the Afghan military, as I said in my opening statement, decided they weren't going to fight for their country, that they were just going to leave it behind. So it is the Afghans who were responsible for the turnover of all that equipment. All right, the Afghans, oh, by the way, the Chinese have a lot of that equipment now. Never the Biden administration's fault. Um, so back to this CYA memo they wrote, okay? It's a CYA email, basically, an email to themselves where they say it's all Trump's fault or a little bit Afghanistan's fault. Let's go through some of it. I mean, uh, President Trump emboldened the Taliban. Yeah, that's what I think of when I think of President Trump. Did he embolden the Taliban? Uh, the Trump administration provided no plans for how to conduct the final withdrawal, uh, as if you guys would have followed it, okay? President Biden was confronted with difficult realities left to him by the Trump administration. Uh, the departing Trump administration had four years of neglect and in some cases deliberate uh, degradation. Now, uh, he's blaming Trump, a little bit Afghanistan, and now in his own subtle way, the military. Oh, yeah, he does that. President Biden took the advice of his military commanders on the tactical decisions. President Biden repeatedly gave clear direction to prioritize force protection, relying on the advice of his yep, senior military officials on how to best proceed. You see, that's Beltway talk for the military. It's the military. They're responsible, not me. That's what this document is. Every American, if you bother to read it, you can see this is a CYA cover your ass email sent to themselves. One more thing from uh, Mr. Talk Show host. For all this talk of chaos, I just didn't see it. Not from my perch. At one point during the evacuation, there was an aircraft taking off full of people, Americans and Afghans alike, every 48 minutes. And not one single mission was missed. So I'm sorry. I just won't buy the whole argument of chaos. All right. Well, let's take a look inside one of those planes. We've already seen people falling off the planes. This is, uh, this is not chaotic, huh? Okay. Um, and oh, by the way, every 48 minutes, well, a JetBlue does better than that. All right. I'm sorry, but uh, I, I, I don't know if the velocity and the frequency was, uh, was sufficient. He says he doesn't see from his perch. Did you hear that? From his perch, he didn't see the chaos. Well, on August 16th, 2021, while Afghans were hanging on to an airplane uh, at that airfield, there's that guy in the comfort of the briefing room in Washington, D.C. No wonder why, from his perch, he couldn't see the chaos, or at least he's willfully looking away. I'll be right back. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. 
European American Armory Corp, or EAA Corp, is specialized in providing high-quality, innovative, and reasonably priced firearms to the U.S. since 1990. You can choose from a wide selection of unique and traditional pistols, whether you're looking for a concealed carry, revolver, shotgun, or competition pistol, EAA Corp has it. EAA's 1911 series comes in compact carry or full size in three popular calibers. If you're a first-time gun owner, EAA Corp's all-in-one 9mm MC9 Striker fire pistols come fully equipped in a sleek, light, ergonomic package ideal for everyday carry. In addition, their lineup includes the MC312 series of 12-gauge shotguns for hunting, sporting, tactical, or personal defense that will exceed your expectations. There is a limited lifetime warranty on every series available today at EAA Corp. EAA Corp says get the quality firearm you've always wanted and save yourself a lot of hard-earned money. Visit EAACorp.com. That's EAACorp.com to learn more and order online or through your local dealer. So there's a, a poll we're running. If you do us a favor and text the word Trump to 39747, You'll be asked a series of questions about the indictment of Donald Trump. Do you think it was politics? Do you think he really did something wrong? Uh, go ahead, if you don't mind, uh, do that for us, and we'll share the results. It's very, very helpful for us to have these digital conversations with the audience. Okay. Also, Donald Trump. I mean, they're trying to throw him in jail, and everybody in the fake news, guess who they feel sorry for? The judge. A New York judge in the hush money case against Trump has now received threats since Tuesday's historic indictment. Judge Juan Mershon and his family have received multiple threats since the hearing on Tuesday. Judge Juan Mershon and his family have received new threats in the 36 hours since Mershon presided over the former president's historic arraignment. Number one, it's wrong for anybody to threaten anyone, all right? And we want everybody to be safe. But unfortunately, in our society, death threats happen. They do, and it's a bad, bad thing. But you know who gets them more than anyone else in the world? Donald Trump. Donald Trump. And you can talk to people in that industry uh, close to the Secret Service, and uh, from time to time, they have acknowledged yeah, look at that. They went at him a couple of times on stage. Um, more threats on President Trump than any other president in history. I mean, let's face it, he is the most controversial. It makes sense that there would be more threats on him than anyone else. We pray that he's safe, the judge is safe. We want everybody to be safe, of course. All right, have you seen this thing with LSU, Louisiana State University, March Madness? Congratulations, uh, they won, all right? But uh, I kind of wish they didn't because they're sore winners. Uh, I, I'm not, I don't like them. I'm sorry. This, uh, what's her name? Angel Reese. She's got a real attitude. I mean, she was kind of making all kinds of signs and signals to the other players. And anyway, Iowa played a pretty good game. So enter Jill Biden, the first lady of the United States. Now, I give her a hard time, especially about that doctor stuff, especially about that nice guy, Bill Stevenson, back in Wilmington she was married to. But on this one, I actually think everybody should cut her a little bit of slack. Congratulations to both teams. So I know we'll have the champions come to um, to the White House. We always do. So, you know, we'll have LSU come. But you know what? I'm going to tell Joe, I think Iowa should come too because they played such a good game. So, right? 
So winners and losers, that's sportsmanship. That's good sportsmanship. All right, it's a kooky idea, but everybody went crazy, especially that player who was making all the signs. If we were to lose, we would not be getting invited to the White House. And I remember she made a comment about both teams should be invited because it would be the, it was sportsmanship. And I'm like, are you saying that because of what I did? And what, like, that stuff like that, it, it bothers me because you are a woman at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. White, black, it doesn't matter. You're a woman. You're supposed to be standing behind us before anything. So it's hard to see things like that and not to comment back on it. All right, you can comment. I get it. But uh, kind of being mean about it now. I have the platform right now where I can speak out and a lot of people have had my back through it. So I'm proud to be in a situation like this and nobody's giving her grace right now. Trust me, nobody's giving her grace. And that's why she's trying to backtrack on what she said. So you can't basically have apologized. What's wrong with a little bit of grace, huh? What's wrong? Why not use the platform that way? Think about it. I'll be right back. I'm going to call this picture for now on Eye of the Tiger. I think it's an amazing moment when President Trump is walking from, I guess, processing into the courtroom to face those bogus charges. Everybody knows it now. We've been through the indictment, and it is a joke. It really is. The prosecutor here, Alvin Bragg, appears incredibly hapless and incompetent. In my opinion, granted I am biased, But perhaps the man behind the scenes who really orchestrated it wasn't Alvin Bragg. It was this guy, Mark Pomerantz. More on him in a moment. Uh, A lawyer who hated Trump so much that he volunteered his time at the DA's office to find a way to get him. Uh, He's been subpoenaed by the House Judiciary Committee. We are joined now by Congressman Jeff Van Drew, Republican of New Jersey, on the House Judiciary Committee. And how many years has it been, Congressman, since you came over to be a Republican. Uh, there you are telling uh, President uh, Trump you're on the Republican team. I remember this. It was such a big deal. How are you, sir? Welcome. I'm doing great. And it's great to be with you as well. Uh, so Pomerantz, tell our viewers uh, who this guy is. And do me a favor. Have you guys read his book yet? Because that book, he is, I think he reveals himself. There's so much in this book. You subpoenaed him. What comes next? Well, the bottom line is, I mean, first of all, some people say, gee, do we have a right to do that? Absolutely. Because when you're possibly looking at future legislation, future laws that prevent this from ever happening again, what a dark day for the United States of America. Uh, I mean, it just makes me so sad inside to see what's going on. And Pomerantz is, uh, you know, just a very unpleasant individual that Uh, I don't think loves the United States of America, and he's a partisan hack. The thing about Bragg and Pomerantz, they're both partisan hacks. They are not in any way prosecutorial. They're not in any way concerned with the future welfare of uh, New York City. And Pomerantz was so intense in his hatred of Trump that he didn't think Bragg was moving fast enough. And when Bragg didn't move fast enough, He actually resigned and then wrote his memoirs, which which you've read some of. And uh, I think people would be shocked when they did. Yeah, here's bad guys. Here's a moment. And oh, by the way, uh, so much about this, dude. But uh, let's play zero six and zero seven together. This is he was bending over backwards. He admits it. Bending over backwards, trying to find a convoluted way to get Trump. Go ahead. 
I thought that the hush money could be charged as the proceeds of Clifford's extortion of Donald Trump. Admittedly, this was a somewhat awkward construct. Step one would be to prove that Trump was, in effect, a blackmail victim. Creative legal theory, neither intuitive nor obvious. The district attorney raised his eyebrows at the notion that we would be claiming that Donald Trump was a victim of blackmail. So for a moment, okay, wow, he gets it. He's a victim here. What they wanted to say, he's a victim, so there was a crime. They needed a victim because there's no victim here. If they could say that right. there was a victim, that handing over your wallet or handing over your money to, say, your mugger, that somehow giving the money is furtherance of a crime. Therefore, you're guilty of the crime. It's insane. The whole thing doesn't make sense. This is a completely vacuous case. There's nothing to it. It's false. It's like so many of the other things that the president has gone through, impeachment one, impeachment two, uh, the phone call to Ukraine, Russian collusion. I could just keep going on and on. These people just can't stop, and they don't realize they're hurting the country. And you know what? I, I want the people that are listening out there to realize um, they're not just going after Donald Trump. They're going after us. He's just in the way, as he said. Um, this is something that we're really going to look into on the Judiciary Committee. Uh, the chairman has made it very clear we're going to do this in a very methodical way, a very honest way. This is not going to be a January 6th hearing. This is going to be the real thing. We're going to do this right. Uh, I like it. I like the sound of that. And oh, by the way, you know, the, the liberals are disappointed in this indictment. OK, and they had a sense. And when Pomerantz was making the rounds promoting his book, uh, some of them are like, is that all there is? Take a look at this, please. You are making waves because of the government job. If you say, oh, I couldn't do it on Thursday, but I quit, so I'm doing it on Friday. The underlying substantive legal issues are the same, are they not? Whether it is fair to the subjects of probes. I mean, you had enormous power. I'll let you finish, but I'm not talking no. about whether it's Donald Trump. I'm talking about the powers you had and whether it's fair to everyone under the law. I'm sure as a prosecutor, you understand and agree that everyone is entitled to equal uniform treatment. Let me, let me stop you yeah. there, though. In fairness, you know what was in that grand jury testimony, though. So you know what... It, it, you can't unknow that information. So even though you're using the public record, what you choose to excerpt is certainly not... Is it not influenced by what you know took place in the grand jury? I mean, you can see there's skepticism about him. But do you think that's the reason why Bragg went forward? Because this guy wrote the book. It got some liberals excited. And there was a great deal of pressure. Might have been quiet pressure, but from the Soros crowd. Uh, did that guy pull the trigger on this or make Bragg pull the trigger? Uh, well, I think he's a lot. I think he's a great deal behind it. And I think he's a little bit uh, uh, more dangerous even than Bragg. And Bragg's a pretty dangerous man. And these are people that don't care what they do to the people around them, that only have one thing in mind, to make sure that they change the fabric of this nation and to make sure that they destroy Donald Trump. Because they know if Donald Trump becomes president of the United States, he's going to crack this rotten egg called Washington, D.C. open, let all the stench out, let everybody see what the, the corruption that exists, not only there, but in some other places like Chicago, New York, and other areas as well. Um, yeah. in, in, it's a horrible thing what's happened, but maybe this gives us the opportunity to really dig in and show the American people, and I think the American people see it, by the way, 
you see that Donald Trump's numbers are going up. Yep. What's really going on? We're going to conduct these hearings the right way. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be quite revealing. Congressman Van Drew, very quickly, uh, I would imagine you lost a lot of friends when you became a Republican. You left the Democrat Party. But I also imagine you gained a lot of friends, too. What was that transition I did, like? I did gain a lot of friends. It's a difficult thing. You have to really. And remember, um, interestingly enough, the uh, first, you know, some congressmen have changed uh, from one party to another. Rarely, but it's happened. Oh. But I'm the only one in history that's ever gone from the majority party to the minority party. That's how much I believed in it. That's yeah. how strongly I felt about it and how disgusted I was with what was going on. Look, I'm not a Republican. Uh, I'm an independent, but I, I, I know you did the right thing. I mean, that party. Is Me too. Congressman Jeff Andrew, we appreciate it. And we'll be right back. All right, there he is again, Justice Clarence Thomas, an American hero, has gone through so much adversity, though, in the swamp. Uh, he and his wife, too, Jeannie, uh, another hero in my book. But uh, you remember the high-tech lynching back in 1991? He's had to deal with more of those. And the latest is a hit job piece, completely unfair, from some website called ProPublica. Clarence Thomas and the Billionaire. Let's see. They report that he has been treated to luxury vacations by billionaire Republican donor Harlan Crow. They happen to be good friends. You want to see one of these lavish vacations? You want to see? <laughs> wow, huh? Fishing at a pond. Does that look like a, a big deal to you? Uh, and also going on vacation with his wife. <laughs> this is so scandalous, isn't it? Um, all right. I want to bring in Mark Paoletta. He's the former general counsel of the Office of Management Budget under President Trump. Uh, he's also become very good friends with Clarence Thomas. He's the co-editor of Created Equal, Clarence Thomas, in his own words. He knows him well. Sir, you read the story. First of all, welcome. Good to see you. What do you think of this thing? As you said, it's another high-tech lynching. It's just it's a Thursday, and they're after Justice Thomas. They've been after Justice Thomas for 40 years since he came to Washington in 19, uh, 1980 was when they first started to attack him. Uh, and he's never wavered. And, you know, Greg, he has put up so many points on the board over these years, right? They, they tried to take him out in 1991. Then they tried to belittle him and smear him when he went on the Supreme Court. But what did he do? Got to work, wrote opinions, laid out his vision. And guess what? That vision is becoming a reality, and that's why the left is going after him. Okay, he is running up the score, right? And on on uh, on Dobbs, on the Bruin case, the Second Amendment, religious liberties, reigning in the administrative state. These are all cases and opinions that follow Justice Thomas's roadmap, as I call it. He's written over seven hundred opinions, and they can't get rid of him, so, so they try and smear him. I know that. Is it kind of understood though that justices look? They make, I think between two hundred and fifty and two hundred ninety thousand dollars a year, which for most Americans is a lot of money. Uh, but these guys, partners of big law firms, they could be making between one and fifteen million dollars a year. And isn't it somewhat understood the Supreme Court culture that, you know, that they're going to possibly be treated with extreme hospitality from time to time? And they they do have some freedom to make outside uh, speeches and make money. Isn't that correct? They they do. But I'm just looking at the rules, right, that applied uh, all through these years. And that's the personal hospitality rule, 
right? Which I'll just read from the rule, okay? Because I can read the English language and the left obviously can't. Personal hospitality need not be reported. Personal hospitality means extend, uh, extended for a non-business purpose by one at the personal residence of that person or his family or on property or facility owned by that person or family. So that's pretty clear, Greg. And when you have that, that Justice Thomas did not have to report any of this, okay? And it shows you that the rule was just changed last month to what I, the critics will say it's tightening up those th that language, okay? But until March, it was completely reasonable and the correct answer for Justice Thomas not to report these trips. So the and report, the report is uh, the ProPublica thing is is dishonest because they really make it sound like he had an obligation to report this stuff. Hey, and they also say that he received a lavish gift. And you know what that lavish gift was? You remember? It's a Bible. <laughs> he received a Bible. They call it a lavish gift. Now, it right. did have some value. I guess it belonged to Frederick Douglass, and it was worth about $19,000. But, oh, by the way, he put it on his financial disclosure form. So right. um, this piece is a sham. You and I know that. But there is some, you know, momentum around that Democrats are excited. Sheldon Whitehouse, whatever, he wants to have hearings. Uh, you think it's you think he's got a problem here, a beltway problem? Uh, look, I'll just go back to one more thing. If you look at the New York Times and NBC stories today, they have the left wing critic, Stephen Gillers, right, who trashed Ginny Thomas and, in my view, uh, has double standards for, for the left and, and the right. He came out and said that Justice Thomas had a plausible interpretation, a plausible, uh, you know, um, uh, interpretation of of, uh, of not disclosing uh, these these uh, this travel. So when you have Stephen Gillers on your side, you're done, in my opinion. That's pretty awesome. That's uh, that's pretty awesome. Do you know anything about this man, um, Mr. Crow? Nice guy. What's he all about? I, I love Harlan Crow. He's a good friend of mine. Uh, he's an American patriot. He's a great man. He's a kind man. He loves America. He's got one of the greatest libraries in America of our founding documents. And anyone who knows Harlan Crow just thinks this is an absurd story. Uh, he's a great man. Um, he has a uh, uh, this, uh, he has an office complex where he has a debate chamber and he invites people all the time. And last month he had Hakeem Jeffries, uh, Kathleen Clark and uh, uh, Congressman Aguilar uh, down to give a talk on the Democrat agenda. So he's a guy who believes in ideas and he's a, a, a he's a patriot. That's what he is. He's a good man and he's a patriot and they're smearing him like they smear anyone who gets in their way of implementing the, the, the left's agenda. And there's a genuine connection there between you and him, between Justice Thomas and this man. Unlike, you know, I see liberals flying private jets all the time, Elizabeth Warren, all kinds of people. You can do that. You can fly on those private jets, even though they make $200,000 a year. Uh, there are ways and they get funded and they get what do you think those people giving them the money want? They want they want something in return, obviously, yeah. although I think John Kerry may have. Uh, well, he married rich, so he actually might even own that plane, but he shouldn't be using it. Right. Mr. Environmental. Mark Paoletta, you're terrific. Um, it, Justice Thomas just takes this stuff in stride. Does it does it bother him? Does it? I got to go. But how does he deal with stuff like this personally? He knows what's going on. They're trying to take him down because he is un, un, unyielding in his views on the Constitution and he's laying it down. Well, give him my best, if you don't mind. Uh, I think he's a terrific uh, man and uh, a great man. Mark Paoletta, we appreciate it very much, and we'll be right back. News breaks every minute, every day.
You need the app, the Newsmax app. Find it free on your smartphone store. Then watch us anytime, anywhere. All right. Uh, about this poll, we'd appreciate it if you texted the word Trump to 39747. We're going to ask you about the indictment. Good indictment, bad indictment. Bad indictment. I've already voted. Uh, hey, many thanks, and we'll be back. I'll be back tomorrow night. See you then.